Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everybody. It is Thursday in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My name is Adam Bittner, assistant sports editor for multimedia at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, joined by Paul Zeiss for our weekly Zeiss is Right video here on the Post-Gazette Sports Now YouTube channel. Paul, how are you? Oh, I'm doing good, Adam. I can't complain at all. Um, it's actually freezing cold in this room, so I feel like I'm in, uh, you know, like in the movie Rocky where he's fighting the meat in the meat locker. That's kind of where I feel like right now, the meat hanging on the hook uh, to be punched. We got to get get you out in the sun, Paul. It's, it's a pretty nice day out there. So uh, um, before we get into any uh, anything else, I want to just let you know what we're going to talk about on today's episode. Arthur Smith, the hiring by the Steelers, is his, him as the new offensive coordinator. Been unpopular in a lot of circles. Want to get Paul Zeiss's reaction to the reaction. Um, also, just Paul's thoughts on, on the hiring in general. Then we're going to talk about the offensive staff and, you know, what does this hiring mean for various other personnel groups and the direction the Steelers might go this offseason. Get a little, into a little Pirates, a little pit hoops, maybe a little bit of Penguins if we have time. Um, before we get started, just want to remind you that this episode and every episode of our Steelers podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. There's no better place to get new windows and doors installed in your home than Pella, who can help you save on energy costs year-round. Schedule a free in-home consultation with your local Pella Windows and Doors to find the right product for your home and budget. Give them a call at 866-593-1560 to discuss your project further. That's 866-593-1560 to get started planning on your new windows and doors installation with Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. Um, Paul, the Arthur Smith hire, I don't think is, is broadly popular. I've seen some people praise it. I've seen, especially industry people say he can do a, a good job in Pittsburgh. I think the average fan, um, and so, you know, social media reactions I've tracked the comments of these videos here on our post-gazette sports now YouTube channel. Um, I'd say they're, they're mostly negative. Um, what's your reaction to the reaction so far? Um, I, I, here's the thing, Adam, I think we should back up a little bit and this is why the reaction wasn't what, what it was. Um, you know, we in this town now have about 75 blogs, you know, blogs or websites devoted to covering the Steelers and all of them, because it's such a, a, you know, competitive market have to find ways to generate content, right? That's what you do now. You have to, you know, every, every single little thing, you blow it up into a headline and you tweet it out and you hope that a bunch of people and you get hits and all that other stuff. And there, th that crowd universally was going on and on and on about a young, up-and-coming, you know, uh, Sean McVay, Cal Shanahan, protege, you know, someone with a real, you know, advanced knowledge of analytics in the passing game and all that other stuff, right? There's the Bobby Slowicks of the world. Uh, what was his name? His name Cam Robinson. Was that his name? The guy from the Rams, you know, 
those kind of guys. That's what everybody or many people had in their mind that this is what we're going to get. Even though, and this is what I said when he was hired the other day, even though Mike Tomlin made it very clear he wanted to hire an experienced guy, somebody who had experience, who was a play caller, right? And also somebody that still fit with the philosophy of what the Steelers are trying to do. I mean, the only reason all these people had in their minds that they were going to get this young up-and-comer is because this is what was written about, you know, ad nauseum. Oh, they're going to go out and get the, you know, again, the Bobby Slowick type. they got to get this guy. they got to get that guy. Okay, you know, the Cam Robinson or whatever. But the problem is if you read and you listen to what the Steelers had to say, Arthur Smith makes a lot of sense. Okay? I don't know if he's going to do a good job or a bad job. I'm not, you know, if I knew that, Adam, I'd be in Vegas living large. I can't see the future. I can't be that guy. But here's what I'm going to tell you, okay? Number one, background is a what? A tight ends, offensive line kind of guy. His best years as an offensive coordinator were what? Running the ball 2,000 yards with Derrick Henry. He's a play-action kind of guy, which means he's not going to ask the quarterback to make a lot of throws he can't make. Doesn't that sound like exactly what you're looking for if you're going to be? If you're the Steelers, unless you're willing to blow up your philosophy and say we're going to go get a new quarterback, isn't that sort of the guy, the profile, the guy that you want? Now, again, I'm not saying he's going to do a good job. I'm saying that all the disappointment that you hear, the anger, the outrage, all that stuff is based on people who had a preconceived idea or notion that they were going to get the the young, you know, up-and-coming analytics guy that is really good in the passing game. I, I think Arthur Smith, you got Kenny Pickett to deal with, okay? And let's face it, Kenny Pickett is a guy who what? He probably is not a guy you want throwing 45 times, right? He's a guy you probably want throwing 20 to 25 times. He's probably a guy that you want to make sure that many of the throws he's going to make are easy throws, play action throws, right? Down the field, uh, just kind of play action throws where you freeze the defense and you're thrown to a kind of an open guy. You've got two running backs. You're probably going to go draft at least one offensive lineman. You want to grind it and pound it and, you know, have your two running backs add up to 2,000, 2,200 yards, something like that. I mean, Arthur Smith seems fine to me. I know people were angry about the, what he did in, in Atlanta. He had Desmond Ritter. And what's the other guy's name? The, the kid from the Washington Commanders. Uh, what's his name? I can't even think of his name. He beat for uh, Heineke or Beinecke or whatever. Is it Heineke, right? Taylor? Taylor Heineke, yeah. I mean – and, he had, and before that, didn't he have Marcus Mariota? I mean, what are we talking about? So uh, all I'm saying, Adam, is I probably am a lot less down on the hiring than many people because I believe that it's on brand for the Steelers. It's exactly what you, you know, I thought they were going to end up with at the end of this. It probably is actually a little better than I, because I had, you know, visions of them going out and finding some 65-year-old kind of guy. So the fact that they got a 41-year-old who's a head coach, who's got experience, who who uh, who is still pretty young and and probably has some good you know newer ideas, 
I'm okay with it until, you know, I'm not okay with it. At this point, I, I just have to see what it's going to d- develop into. Do you think some of it's his personality, Paul? Because I think that's my bit, my big read is that, that he is kind of a, this even keel, um, not very flashy like personality. And, and if, I think a lot of people watch that quarterback documentary on Netflix. Um, the Marcus Mariota storyline included a lot of Arthur Smith. And I don't think he came off as particularly charming or engaging. Um, to what degree do you, do you think that is, is shaping people's view as opposed to if he was charismatic and, um, you know, kind of like a Todd Haley type? Well, I think that's that's a part of it. I think, you know, but but again, it's it's funny you say that because one of the most viral videos that I saw this week among Steeler fans was when Arthur Smith wanted to fight uh, the, uh, the, the who's the Saints coach. Uh, what's his name? The Saints. The Saints. Dennis coach. Allen. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember at, at midfield. Arthur Smith wanted to fight him because he thought he ran up the score. And it turned out Jameis Winston was just being Jameis Winston at the end of the day. That's the that's the video. People are like, oh, this is the energy we want. But I agree. I mean, here's the thing: it's not a splashy hire. In many ways, it's kind of a safe hire. It's kind of a hire that just is sort of a safe hire that is sort of uh, um, on brand for the Steelers. And so that's what I think is really you know a part of it. You know, and part of it is his personality. But I think that's part of it, Adam. Is that people had expectations for X and they're getting Y. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think at least on this channel, we we were kind of talking about, well, these are the criteria. These are the criteria. This guy, how much does he check this? And how much does this seem like, you know, they're trying to get some guys in the Rolodex, get some relationships built through the interview process. But, um, you know, you get the impression that this is this is kind of the direction that they wanted to go. Um, Paul, now that he's in place, I think there's a lot of questions about A, the staff and then B, the personnel. And, and what does this mean for different groups of people? So I'm just going to run down the list. I'm going to start with the coaching staff. Um, Jerry Dulac has reported that there will be no Mike Munchak return. Um, he is the, like one of the favorite hobby horses of Steelers fans. I think like when we, we talk about this guy all the time and like, he did a good job here, but it's amazing how every time there's any, it really any time in any off season, Mike Munchak, Mike Munchak, he's not coming back. A, do you have any reaction to that? And B, um, you know, any reaction to the fact that it seems like there, there probably won't be a lot of turnover um, and the rest of the staff, because I know that's something you and I have, have talked about, is, is trying to, if you're going to go with a hire like this, build the coaching staff up a little bit, bring in some analysts, bring in some guys who, you know, can kind of fill that role that people want of, of giving them a little bit of excitement, have some connection to the Sean McVay type trees. Um, what are your thoughts just generally on, on the whole coaching staff? Um, with threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The first thing is the Munchak thing. When he retired or whatever he did with the Steelers and took the job in Denver, he did so because he wanted to be closer to his family. So every time Munchak, every time his name comes up, I say, did the Steelers move, uh, did Pittsburgh, did the Steelers move to uh, west of the Mississippi and I didn't know it? Is that what happened? Because at the end of the day, the guy doesn't want to come back here. So I, I, I just dismissed it. But again, when you have 75 of these blogs and websites that are committed to trying to crank out Steeler news, this is the kind of stuff that happens. So that's number one. Uh, number two, I think they're going to miss on an opportunity if this is the only move that they make. Mike Sullivan, okay, he did a, a, a you know reasonable job in a tough situation as an interim coach. Eddie Faulkner, I get it. Right? But if we're going to complain about quarterback development, who was the quarterback's coach over the last few years? Right? Yeah. Also, one of the criticisms of Arthur Smith is, you know, I don't know that he's great at developing quarterbacks. Okay. That tells me go out and get a quarterback guy. Get a quarterback guru, right? And, of course, this being Pittsburgh, the only name that comes to mind, Mark Whipple, because he worked with, you know, Kenny at, at Pitt. But I'm sure there are other guys out there that could be your quarterback guru. As far as Eddie Faulkner and, and, and Mike Sullivan, I think it's really difficult when you elevate guys and then make them go back to their roles for that to work. Like, I think that Arthur Smith should be able to bring in his own running backs coach. And I think that, honestly, there was never a, an opening at, on, at offensive line coach. But I think that Arthur Smith should be able to sit down with, uh, with, with uh, what's his name, Sean Meyer, is that his name, the, the, the offensive line coach of the Steelers. They should be able to sit down with him and, 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 and essentially interview him. And if he's not convinced that, you know, they're compatible, he needs he should be able to go hire a guy. I mean, that's that's the toughest thing about this. If you're just going to basically take Arthur Smith and, like, drop him down into the middle of the staff that already exists and say, this is what you have to work with, I don't think you're setting him up to succeed. And I know it's Mike Tomlin's team and all this other stuff. Wonderful. You hired a guy to run your offense. You run the defense. We all know that. You hired a guy to run your offense. Let him bring in some of his own guys. Okay, that doesn't mean he, you know, he should blow up the entire thing, but the offensive line coach is an important coach because it, it, the offensive line coach has to be on the same page with the offensive coordinator because you can't run an offense if you're not on the same page as your offensive line. You just can't. So you have to make sure that they're compatible. And if they're not, Arthur Smith needs to say, listen, you know what? I need to be able to hire my own offensive line coach. The same thing with the quarterbacks coach. I'm the offensive coordinator. I need somebody that's going to work with Kenny Pickett, somebody that I trust, somebody that I know. And I know I don't want the guy who was calling plays last year. I don't want him. I just don't. That's just me, right? Faulkner, I could go either way because he kind of was just sort of the you know, in-name-only coordinator, but to me, and, and, and obviously the running backs coach to me isn't as important as the as the offensive line coach. 
But to me, I would say, you, you, you know, do you really want a guy that just had the job going back to do the, I, I just, I, I'm not a big fan of that. I'm, I've never been a big fan of that. My thing is, if you're going to go in a different direction, go in a different direction. It always drives me crazy. You know, when you see these coaches, they get fired because, well, we're going to go in a different direction. And then they really, you know, they don't go in a different direction. It's like, well, if you're going to promote someone from the staff, that's not a different direction. Okay. And that's not, you know, I don't want guys losing their jobs and getting fired. My thing is, if you really look at what happened this year and how bad the offense has been for two years, if you're just going to drop a new coordinator in the middle of it all, I don't know that you're really giving yourself the best chance to win. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's more to being the offensive coordinator than play calling Paul. And I think that was a, a big source of my frustration with the, the Matt Canada hire. It just wasn't, things looked disjointed. They did not right. coordinated. I mean, that's the, in the title. And and they didn't seem especially well coached beyond the fact that, yes, there were some head-scratching play calls. But, you know, I think that's true of, of many offensive coordinators, many good offensive coordinators. When it doesn't work, it doesn't look good. But the the how many illegal motion penalties did they have? How many illegal man downfield penalties did they have? That is the stuff that should get cleaned up. And, and you know, that's the kind of stuff that should land on an offensive line coach, right? Absolutely. That's, that's the way I look at it. Um, Paul, I want to talk about some other, specifically the, the player personnel and what this hire could signal about where the Steelers want to go. I, I think I want to start with Najee Harris. Um, he's coming up on, on the decision. Are they going to exercise his fifth-year option? Are they going to give him, him an extension? Um, can you hire Arthur Smith and not give him a feature back past next season, possibly? I think I think this this signals to, that you know that Najee Harris is going to be here for a while. They're definitely going to give him the fifth year option. They're definitely going to give him the fifth year option, and then probably next year at this time they're going to decide whether or not they might even give him another year or two after that. Um, I think there's no question. I think they've made that pretty clear. I think if you read the reporting of all the guys that cover the Steelers for us, I think it's all pretty clear. So I, I feel like that's that's an important uh, thing that hey. Najee Harris is going to be our guy at least for the next two years. And probably, you know, they might even try to pull what they did with the, with Le'Veon Bell and maybe not sign him, but, but try and transition tag or franchise tag him or whatever and, and see if they can get a sixth year out of him as well. Uh, but, you know, it, it's all going to depend on his production and his health and all that other stuff. I will say this, um, these last two seasons – We've seen when Najee Harris plays well, the Steelers are a different offense. When Najee Harris is running angry and all that other stuff, they're a different offense. So now you've got a guy who comes in and kind of understands that. I, I, I think you're 100% correct, Adam. There's no question that, that Najee Harris will be back for his fifth-year option. They're going to pick it up, and it might even be a sixth year after that. Well, I'd argue too, Paul, that you know I'd give him the extension now. If if we're just going to talk about five year your five year six, I think you run the risk of if this works how it's supposed to, and and if if Derrick Henry is the prototype, right, and and that's right. what you want Najee Harris to be, then then don't you just want to lock those two years up and 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 not have to pay because that's what happened with Le'Veon Bell. The production was there the whole time. They had to pay for the production. I don't think that Najee Harris has produced enough that right now he can demand Le'Veon Bell money. But maybe he gets to that place in an offense that really features him in, in a way that allows him to shine. Yeah. I mean, 
I think one of the things the Steelers have demonstrated, though, is they are really, really, really um, careful about locking themselves up with a running back beyond, you know, maybe six years, if you know what I mean. Like, after the fifth or sixth year, I think there's a lot of studies that suggest that running backs lose, uh, you know, lose something. I think the Steelers have tried really hard to, um, with, you know, with respect to Le'Veon Bell, for instance, they, they've tried really hard to keep it within that first six years of their career and then say, okay, you know what, uh, we're either going to pay you year by year like they tried to do with the tags. But the other part of it is they did offer Le'Veon Bell a five-year deal. I don't think they can do that with Najee Harris. He would have to have one hell of a year next year before they offered him that kind of deal, I think. I, I actually like the fifth-year option because I think it gives you – a little bit more control for one more year without really, really locking up, you know, a huge financial interest in the guy. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that too. There's definitely risk when you're talking about running backs and it's not easy, but I think if the general plan is you want him here for the next three years, at least um, I think the cheapest way to get there is to lock him up now rather than trying to go year to year. But, but you're right. There's, I mean, the running backs are, Kind of a diamond dozen, and and when they the tread comes off, they're done. And and so you know I get the resistance as well, especially from a guy who hasn't been particularly explosive. Uh, and you'd basically be paying for upside and and not necessarily you know proven a proven track record that he could be a Derrick Henry type. Paul, you and I talk a ton about receivers on this show. Uh, we talked about it in the summer. We talked about it all season. Um, now we're seeing the screenshots of Drake London and some other guys who were playing receiver under. Arthur Smith, whose, whose numbers were terrible. Uh, we know um, A.J. Brown, who's put up huge numbers in Philly, was in that Titans offense and and never really kind of broke out the way people thought he was capable of under Arthur Smith. Um, do, do you think this signals that the Steelers are not going to make many big changes at receiver because um, that's not really his emphasis and, and that's not really what you know he looks for is you know adding more explosiveness to that mix? Because I honestly, Paul, I look at it and say, you got Calvin Austin, you got George Pickens, you got Deontay Johnson. That sounds like all he really would want. And I don't think they're going to be running a whole lot of five receiver sets. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. No, but they better go out and get another guy because they're not good enough at that position. Um, they, they, you can't go through a season with three guys, especially when one of them's Calvin Austin, who I think can be okay, but I don't know that he's uh, he's much more than just okay. You know, you've got and again, I don't count the Allen Robinsons and the Miles Boykins and the you know I mean the guys that fill in the back end of your roster, your your receiver roster. I don't count any of those guys. 
you need to have four guys, I think. Uh, and I'm not saying four guys like, you know, capital G, like you've got to have four stars. But you have to have four receivers that are capable of being really productive, capable of playing, you know, and a couple of them are capable of playing. And one of them has to be a burner. And when I say a burner, somebody that stretches the field regardless of what it is that you're trying to do on offense, if you don't have that guy to make at least the defense think about, okay, you know, the, this guy could go deep. And I know Pickens is that, but really he's that, you know, that's about it. That's really what all they have in terms of guys that scare you. And, and quite frankly, we saw most teams weren't scared of, of even that. So my point there is, I think you, I, I don't care what your philosophy is, you better have four receivers, right? The Steelers have two and a half. We'll give, we'll say Calvin's a half. They better go out and get a receiver. The interesting thing is, uh, well, you're probably going to come up to Are you going to ask me about tight ends? Yeah, I was going to get to Pat Farmer. Are we going to see that extension? That was going to be the question. That, yeah. So anyway, my point with that is uh, to get back to receivers. You need a four. You need to have four receivers, and and you better and you better have uh, you better go out and get somebody, you know, and not another Allen Robinson type who, you know, what I what I, I say the uh, the uh, you know third and seven guy that can get you seven and a half yards and catch the ball and fall down. I don't. I, we don't need another guy like that. I don't even, if you want to keep Allen Robinson around, that's fine. Boy, can I don't care about receivers six, seven, five, six, seven, eight. I don't care about those guys. You've got Pickens, you've got Deontay Johnson, you maybe have Calvin Austin, and that's not enough. So I say they better go get a receiver and they better go get somebody who can help them win games. Yeah, I'll be curious to see how they approach that philosophically just because some of those numbers are pretty scary. And, and you know, they're scary for the, the number one and number two guy. It makes you wonder, what's the fourth receiver going to do in this offense? I think that's an open question. Paul, uh, we already led into the tight end question, so I'll just ask you there. Do you think this assures that there's a Pat Fryermuth extension coming as well? It's a tricky one, Adam. That's a tricky one. Not, he's not a great blocker and he gets hurt a lot. I, you know, because again, he would be another one. They'd be talking about the fifth year extension, right? No, actually, no. No, he's not a first rounder. Yeah. Pick. Yeah. So he wouldn't even get the. They would have to give him a straight extension. That might actually be easier, Adam. I, I think I'd be willing to give him a two year extension or a three year extension at the right money. If I'm the Steelers, I was actually thinking wrong. Cause I was like, well, if they have to give him a fifth year extension, they'd have to pay him a ton of money. And I don't know. Actually, I think I would offer him – I might offer him a two-year deal. Say, so listen, actually, maybe a two-year deal with some sort of an option for a third, right? Because the thing is, when he's healthy, he's pretty – he's reasonably productive. He can be a, a weapon for you. And, obviously, with Arthur Smith, if you're a tight end, you're going to be a part of it. And I know they've got Darnell Washington, but – at the end of the day, we're probably going to see them add another tight end in this offseason, I would think. So the, the thing about it would be the money. I think Fryermuth would probably take a little less money to stay here as opposed to going elsewhere. So I think, you know, if you could get him for the right price, even though I know he's been injury prone, I would probably do it given the fact that Arthur Smith likes those two and three tight end sets. Paul, we already have talked about the the quarterbacks a lot. Um has anything changed in that regard for you in, in terms of this is going to be Kenny Pickett's team probably 
Um, I, I know I've seen some angry people in the comments saying, why are you assuming it's going to be Kenny Pickett? It's because everything, you know, everything they've said and done to this point in the offseason, Paul, suggests that that's, that's the tone to me. Well, again, they've said – it's like, it's like nobody listens to these people. You know what I mean? These people don't listen to what's actually said. Mike Tomlin essentially said, it's Kenny Pickett's job. Oh, we're going to have an open competition, but it's Kenny Pickett's job. Sure, we'll have compete. We always believe in competition, but it's Kenny Pickett's job. He must you know what I mean? At the end of the day, I don't know what we're talking about here. I've simply said, if you're going to give the job to Kenny Pickett and you want, and he's your first round pick, if you're going to give it to him, that's fine. You have to move on from Mason Rudolph. You cannot have him here and go through an entire summer where every time Kenny Pickett throws an interception or, you know, or throws an incomplete pass or has a bad practice or Mason Rudolph looks good, you risk dividing your locker room. You risk all the discussions about, well, half the guys want Mason Rudolph, right? You bring in somebody new. Of course, the new name is Ryan Tannehill because of his connection with uh, Arthur Smith. I don't care who it is. Bring in somebody new so that it's, okay, he's coming in to compete, but guess what? The locker room's familiar with Kenny. They're going to rally behind Kenny if you know, and give him every opportunity to be successful. At the end of the day, if you bring Rudolph back, you're bringing back a distraction that you probably don't need. Paul, last question before we get into some other topics, um, you know, with the other teams in town. Does this change your view of free agency or the draft at all? And, and you know, things that you thought they might emphasize before, now they might emphasize something different, given given that there's such a clear signal of, of their intentions to, you know, be a, a team that runs the football really well? Well, I think there's no question now they're going to go get it. Well, they, they, they were going to get a center anyway, right? I mean, their center is, is not good enough. Uh, there's no, I think they're going to probably go try and get another offensive lineman, Adam, and probably another tight end. I mean, they're going to, you know, they're going to try and build up their big heavy sets. You, the only way you do that is get tight ends and offensive linemen. So to me, if you look at it that way, uh, that's what they're going to do. Um, defensively, I don't think it changes much defensively, but offensively, I think it, it, it probably means they're, you know, they're going to prioritize it, it more than a center, probably another a guard or tackle and probably go get another, at least one more tight end. And that's, you know, I don't, and I, I mean, and I hope that, um, I hope that they don't go further than that. You know, I don't, I mean, they already got Connor Hayward, who's like an H back fullback kind of player. I, I mean, I hope they don't go further than that um, to try and create jumbo packages, but I, I, I think they'll add two offensive linemen and a run and, and a tight end, no doubt. Well, it'll be interesting to watch that play out. Paul, we're going to talk about the Pirates a little bit here. Before we do, just want to thank Pitt Johnstown uh, for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. It's Pitt Quality Education with up-close and personal learning, a top-ranked Northeast Public College by U.S. News & World Report. Generous scholarships and financial aid are available, located on 655 picturesque acres, easy access to the city center, shopping and dining, vibrant campus life with an active D2 athlete community. Check out Pitt Johnstown today. Um Paul, I, you retweeted my tweet, and so uh, about Cannon uh, Smith and Jigba, kind of <laughs> kind of going out like Stan Chera. I said just just very quietly. It's it's you know whenever it's on the broadcast, Greg Brown is you know puts on the Greg Brown voice and says these young bucks, and, and you know every time they get like a double, and, and this is, here's the future. We're watching it now, 
And then whenever one of these guys that, that they propagandize us with gets unceremoniously dumped for Araldus Chapman, um, there's only like a couple people talking about it on Twitter. None of the prospect guys who tell us that, you know, it's, it's, it's <laughs> a, the bright days are right around the corner and Kenan Smith and Jigba is going to be leading them. Um, you know, they're talking, ta- they're talking about the guy in a ball. They're not, they're not saying, Oh, I was wrong about this guy. Or, you know, <laughs> are you sick of this? I'm sick of it. Yeah. I mean, but it's par for the course, isn't it? It's par for the course. So to me, I mean, the thing about it is it, it is amazing how we keep hearing about all these young guys and these young bucks and, you know, the young players and the young prospects and all this other stuff. And then what happens? They disappear and we never hear from them again. And it's on to the next group of young guys and the next group of young prospects. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of disheartening. It really is. And, and what's more disheartening is that the, 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 some of the people that you're talking about, they, they, don't, they, they don't want to cover it fairly. They don't want to be objective about it. They want it to all be these positive spins. And I get it. Greg Brown, that's his job. He gets paid to do that. I don't have any problem with it. I think people that yell about Greg Brown being a homer don't understand what his job is and who pays his, his check. You know what I mean? And who pays his bills? Um, so, yes, he's going to be a homer, and he should. He's the, he's, but, but some of these other uh, prospect sites – some of these other people that, that act like they, you know, follow the, the young box and they follow the prospects and they've been the farm teams and all that other stuff. And they scold you when you suggest that maybe a guy hitting a double once every two weeks doesn't mean he's ready for the Hall of Fame, right? They scold you for that. But so you, they say you're impatient. And right. you, you, you just, you should, you just got to wait a little bit longer and this guy's going to be great. And it's, it's, I mean, how many guys has this happened with under under Ben Charrington, right? Where where it's it's just unceremonious. There, there's no there's no acknowledgement by a lot of these people that this happens all the time. Right. Like these these guys that get built up and and you know I, it it doesn't feel much different than the one that happened under Neil Huntington. And and that's not to say that you know there aren't good things happening in in the off season or that you should have kept this guy on the roster. It's just. When when things don't pan out, we got to like. There's got to be some level of accountability, and it, it, this this these hushed tones that people speak in whenever one of these prospects th- doesn't work out. And, and to me, Paul, here's here's why this is relevant because we've been sitting here for two months waiting for them to make a big trade for for a pitcher. Because okay, you, you're not going to go out and sign Blake Snell, so you're not going to go out and sign these big contracts. You're going to balk at the money anytime anyone points out the free agent contracts that you could have signed. So like. Why don't you trade guys like this, right? How many times have these guys? We've I've heard people on Twitter say you can, you can't trade him, you can't trade Kenan Smith and Jigba. He's part of the future. <laughs> no, he's not. And isn't that like part of the problem here? Is that there's such a hesitant? It's like I call them prospect fetishists. It's like they want to keep every prospect in the system and never use them to go get proven good players because and there's always going to be a risk. Sure, maybe Kenan Smith and Jigba goes and turns into a good player himself. But he's not right now, and he's not developed that way, and, and he's a lottery ticket, I think, to ever do that. Is it, is it not frustrating that it's been two months, they haven't made a move, and it's in part because Bob Nunning told Jason Mackey when he was down to the Dominican Republic that he doesn't want to repeat the Chris Archer mistake. Right, because they made one mistake, and frankly, it was a mistake. I mean, the, the bottom line, if you are afraid to make a mistake, then you should sell the team. At the end of the day. 
But my thing is, Adam, you said it. You, I couldn't have said it better than what you just said. This group of people who are so hell-bent on holding on to every prospect in the system, even guys that are in, like, single A, who, if they become really good, aren't going to become for, like, four years from now. You know what I mean? We'll see them at the major league level, right? The whole point of a prospect is twofold. Now, you don't want to be reckless and just give them away. You're not suggesting that. I'm not suggesting that. You don't want to be reckless and just throw them all. But at the end of the day, the entire premise is you want to make your major league team better. Whether that's through developing that prospect to the point where they become a really good major league player for you or spinning that prospect into somebody who already has proven they're a good player. And to me, the Pirates are so hesitant and always have been really to trade these guys for real players when they've had opportunities that it's frustrating. It's just so frustrating. It's also frustrating that you see other teams that have 20 year olds and 21 year olds and 19 year olds, uh, 20 year olds, you know what I mean? Playing and with the pirates, you know, well, we, we got to have 7,561 innings of minor league ball before we move them up. And then we've got to worry about the super two thing. And then we've got to no. You know, and here's my thing, and here's here's a great test for us, for guys like you and I, Adam. If Paul Skeens proves in spring training he's one of their five best starting pitchers, or even better, because other because a lot of really good pitchers have started this way, he's one of your seven best relievers, right? He should be on the roster immediately. I mean, what are you waiting for? What is he, 23, 24 years old now, whatever he is, right? What are you waiting for? You have him till he's 30 anyway. I don't – what's that? You have him till he's 30 anyway. Exactly. I don't want to hear about service time and all this other crap because, you know, the other the thing about that, Adam, is how many of those guys actually make it? No one. I did an article on this, Paul. Yeah. No one – No, none of these guys we've ever talked about has ever played on the last year of arbitration. I know, okay, you have that extra year of control, so it helps in the trade market. And, and so it's, it's in theory, an asset. But no, no one, Paul, has ever played that season for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Not one. Not one who's mattered. Maybe, maybe you have like a Garrett Jones-type guy. Not a single one of those guys has ever gotten that far with the Pirates. They either get an extension, they stay here forever – or for a long time, or they get traded. So if that's the outcome anyway, Paul, and it just moves the timeline up a year, and you're trying to compete, try to compete. And, and I think my big – I'll just – this is one last part of my rant with, with the Chris Archer trade is the problem with that trade was not what they gave up. The problem was what they got. And if Chris Archer had come in here and and pitched them into those 2018 playoffs and, and before you know the Pirates have gone into five years of hell since then, and he gets them into the playoffs, and they get to, like, an NLCS, maybe they pull the Diamondbacks. Maybe they get to the World Series. It does not matter what Tyler Glass now did in Tampa Bay. It does not matter what Austin Meadows did in Tampa Bay. It does not matter what Shane Boz did in Tampa Bay. The problem was the trade didn't work. It wasn't that you gave up prospects. Right. And it didn't work because you get you you you, you probably took a picture that if you talk to people around baseball, they kind of thought that he was exactly what the Pirates got. So you you like you said you got the wrong guy back. But again, back to my original point here. 
if Paul Skeens is one of your 12 best pitchers and is not on the staff from day one, I don't want to hear the rest. I don't want to hear all of the rationalizations. I don't want to hear about service time. I don't want to hear about, well, he needs extra X amount of innings and all the other crap. You basically are not giving your team the best chance to win. That's that's just the way I look at it. Yeah, I agree with you, Paul. Um, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about the state of the ACC. Oh. Uh, Pitt has been playing a little bit better lately. Got a nice win last night um, at the Pete's. Comes back, Pete's Wake Forest. Um, but the the state of the conference is such, Paul, that I, I and you, we talked about this a little bit last week. Even if Pitt runs the table, I mean, are, are they in a dire strait to make March Madness just because they're not going to get a lot of quality wins from from this cushy bottom of the league? Well, they've got six. What do they got? Six ACC losses. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they still have to go back down to Wake Forest, if I'm not mistaken. They've got uh, a couple of other games that are going to be tough. Put it this way. It's the ACC. They're probably going to lose two or three games more down the road. Okay? Maybe two. Even if it's only two, but if it's three, I look at their profile and I say they did nothing in the non-conference part of the schedule. And they're not going to get help from the from the conference part of the schedule. Last I looked, <laughs> there were three ACC teams right now you know, and all these bracketology people, all these bracketology, there are three ACC teams right now that are considered to be a part of the NCAA tournament field. And a fourth, I think it might be like Virginia, who's like the last four out or whatever, first four out or whatever uh, in that, you know, in that group like that. But to me, and actually it didn't Clemson just lose. Did they lose a the game? I think Clemson just lost the game. They might be on the outside looking in too. It might be a two bit league. At the end of the day, they put the league together to be a 10, a 9, a 10, 8, 9, 10 league, bid league. And it's amazing. But all of the teams they brought in that were supposed to improve the basketball product and, you know, stamp the ACC as the greatest, right? Pitt, they've really not been good. One, one good year in the ACC. Syracuse, no. One good year in the ACC. I mean, I mean, I guess they get they got a final four, but they I mean they've been they they made a run to the final four, but they've been a 10, 11, 12 loss team for the most part. If you look at their ACC record, they've been mediocre. Notre Dame fell off. Louisville fell off, right? So the guys you brought in from the Big East haven't helped. Duke and North Carolina had their two Hall of Fame coaches retire. I mean. The league is really in trouble right now. Well, and it's you know it's funny, Paul, is that they, they there doesn't seem to be a reckoning with that because you turn on the ACC network last night. I turned, I was watching the halftime show and they had some guy on complaining about the lack of respect. I mean, respect is earned, right? And it, it, like but, this, their sense that this is just like a popularity contest of who gets into the the NCAA tournament. I mean, that's that's farcical. How many how many different you know. It's become you want to talk about analytics and sports. They have so many different ways to break this down. It's, right. it's not like it's not like Joe Lenardi's dreaming up that these teams are not very good. But more importantly, they didn't beat anybody in their non-conference schedule. They have very few good wins in their non-conference schedule. The league, I mean. The league has very few good wins in the non-conference schedule. So how can you make the case that they're getting, you know, that, that they're over that they're overlooked and they're underrated and you know they're no respect? You've got to just you've got to go win games. Pitt played two. Pitt played basically two two good teams in the non-conference, and they lost both games. You know the rest were all okay. Yeah, whatever, meh, kind of games. 
But they basically played two games against the, uh, against reasonably good teams that could help their resume, and they lost them both. You know, and there's a number of games like that that the the, the, the league lost that they shouldn't have lost. And so, it, it, it the the conference needs to get back to figuring out how to build these basketball programs back up. You know. Because right now the league is full of a lot of teams. They're they're right now this year. You've got North Carolina, maybe a little bit below them, Duke. A significant gap to like Clemson and Virginia, and then the rest of the league outside of Louisville is all the same. And then Louisville is terrible. So my point is, you've got you know Notre Dame probably is bordering on terrible too. So you've got basically two terrible teams and then a bunch of just sort of mediocre teams that really didn't do a whole lot to enhance their resume. I'm just not sure where the power is supposed to come from if you're a Pitt fan. Yeah, I wonder if it'll ever be fixed, Paul. And I think that's, you know, we're talking about the conference realignment and the vulture circling and the Scranton rights and the Florida State lawsuit and all of that. And, you know, I think it has to be part of the conversation that, you know, basketball doesn't drive this stuff. But I think it is relevant that the ACC is not a basketball league right now. Right. And I think, I think one thing, like, like just real quickly, um, you know, you lose, you lose uh, Roy Williams, Coach K, Bayheim, who, you know, his program had become mediocre for the most part anyway. But because he was Bayheim, it, it commanded a presence and they would get into the, into the tournament even when they didn't deserve to. And then you've got, Rick Pitino, I mean, you had four Hall of Fame coaches and are all gone, right? Now, I mean, and, and Mike Bray wasn't a Hall of Fame coach, but he had been around a long time and won a lot of games and had built a reasonable program, but they fell off. Hall of Very Good. Yeah, basically. And I, put, I put Jamie Dixon in that cat. I, Jamie Dixon's a Hall of Very Good, don't you think? You, 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 you Hall of Very Good, Jamie Dixon. That's right. You, you forgot about you lost him. I mean, right now you're looking at Tony Bennett as a Hall of Fame coach. I actually think Larinaga probably should be a Hall of Fame coach, but he's come along, you know, he's he's gone he's gone a long circular route to do it, and probably Leonard Hamilton too. But my point is, you look at the coaches that they've got now. I mean, you know, Leonard Hamilton and Larinaga aren't exactly monster personality types like Patino and Bayheim and those guys, right? And Tony, and neither is Tony Bennett. They're three really good coaches that probably are all going to be in the Hall of Fame, but. You don't have that power that you had at the top, and that's that's a part of the problem. Yeah, you're not putting Jim Laranega in like Geico ads. <laughs> you know, that's not a slight on him. It's it, people like you and me who do this for a living, and and people who follow the ACC closely know he's a good coach. But you know, he's not a household name. He's not someone that you know that moves the needle to the general populace, and that's important. That's important when you're in college basketball because there's so many teams, and you have to stick out. Yeah. Absolutely. That's the part. And then they don't have the power. They don't have those power coaches anymore in the league right now, you know, and that's part of the problem. And even Virginia has not been, you know, they had the one miracle year, but for the most part, they haven't been, you know, that team that, you know, shuts everybody down and, you know, wins and, you know, they haven't really been that team the last two or three years either. Yeah. Yeah. And you haven't, I mean, talk about the player quality, right? I mean, some there's not, how many household names are coming out of the ACC in terms of the roster? You know, even even Duke. I mean, what is this? The Filipowski kid who's been there for three years. He's not Zion Williamson. He's not you know some of these like 
transcendent guys that did the one and done. I mean, the, the quality of the, the talent is, is certainly down as well. But, Paul, I'm going to let you go. This was a quality conversation. Um, really appreciate you joining. If you enjoyed this video, please like it. Help us out in the YouTube algorithm. Um, please stay tuned. Later in the week, we're going to have Christopher Carter on the North Shore Drive on Friday. Um, I'm sure talking more about Arthur Smith and where the Steelers go from here. I'll be back on Saturday, I think, with either Ray Fittipaldo from the Senior Bowl or Chris to talk about the NFL draft. Our, our latest mock draft tracker video will be up. And then Paul and I will be back next Thursday um, talking all the topics that we find interesting in Pittsburgh sports. Paul, thanks for uh, stopping by. Looking forward to talking to you again next week. All right, man. We'll talk to you. Thanks, man. Take care, everyone. Thank you for checking out this content from Post-Gazette Sports. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For all of the sports coverage the Post-Gazette has to offer, visit post-gazette.com.